Chapter Ten, Part Two of Shores of the Polar Sea: A Narrative of the Arctic Expedition of 1875-76. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. Shores of the Polar Sea by Edward Lawton Moss. Chapter Twenty, Part Two all through the earlier weeks of july the pack gave warnings of approaching disruption decided motion first occurred on sixteenth and on twenty first the old familiar sound of breaking plates came from the offing and with a loud crack the ship suddenly righted herself from the heel toward shore which had slowly increased during the winter nevertheless as long as it remained calm no important movement was likely to occur except at high tide we were therefore still able to extend our hunting expeditions to several days from the ship it was not the search for game only exciting as it was that made these late trips interesting our hunters enjoyed a privilege that has rarely fallen to the lot of any discoverers in either past or recent times they traversed a shore never before trodden by the foot of man everywhere south of the steep cliffs of robeson channel some vestiges of humanity were discoverable a broken sledge runner a chipped flint or a musk ox bone broken to extract the marrow told us that wandering eskimo had been before us but from the cliffs northward all traces ceased no savage hunter had ever disturbed the ice-borne boulders of floberg beach to fasten down his tent of skins or form a rough hearth for his traveling camp and no sledges but our own were ever launched towards the icy horizon beyond we were the first that ever burst into that silent sea yet though there was no trace of man or his doings nature had left deeply significant records of her own to tell the history of the land the neighborhood of the ship was rich in such evidences no one could walk over the broad mud flats half a mile inland from the ship without being convinced that the land had risen from the sea at geologically speaking no very distant period shells similar to those still living in the sea two hundred feet below lay strewn in abundance on the fine sand here a pair of valves enormously thickened to bear the crush of ice there a whole bed of slighter shells still covered with their brown filmy skins and connected by their gristly hinges the mud itself was so salty that where it dried in the sun a white briny coat formed on its surface stems and roots of laver seaweeds were sometimes picked up but the most interesting and eloquent witnesses of the past were the splinters and logs of driftwood that lay embedded in the mud or scattered along the crests of these raised beaches the wood was easily recognized by the microscope as the wood of pine trees and though probably very many centuries old was often so apparently fresh as to smell woody when cut it was not for us to conjecture when or where that wood had grown or how it had drifted to its present elevated site but we could not help thinking that it told of a time when the shores though perhaps far more deeply laden with glaciers were washed by a less ice-bound sea at one o'clock in the morning of twenty third july the pack broke from the shore under the influence of a strong wind and left pools of water outside our barrier bergs but the ice still crushed close on cape rawson 
and when the wind lessened all closed in again on the evening of twenty sixth a space of water formed outside the bergs and in order to be ready when an opportunity for a rush southward should offer we set about breaking a channel through the floes between the ship and the nearest gap in the wall of grounded bergs the ice was far too thick for even our longest and heaviest ice saws but with the aid of three hundred pounds of gunpowder judiciously disposed in torpedoes made of tin cans and lime juice jars it was shattered piece by piece and as each mass broke off and floated free it was pushed out to seaward by the united efforts of the whole crew wielding levers and ice poles while we lay waiting for a path southward to open we could not but look forward to the ordeal before us with a good deal of anxiety once round cape rawson there would be no turning back thirty miles of shelterless cliff must be passed before we reached lincoln bay and for the whole of that distance the ship would have to run the gauntlet through a mere fissure between a perpendicular wall of ice foot and a moving irresistible mass of flow eighty feet and more in thickness if fortune did not favor us the destruction of the ship was certain and every preparation was made to meet such an eventuality provisions and sledges were piled on deck ready to launch on the floes and notes and sketches and carefully selected specimens were packed into the smallest possible bundles so that they could be pushed hastily into a pocket if it should be necessary to desert the ship early on the morning of thirty first an unusual sound awoke us a strong breeze whistled and sung in the rigging overhead and a low vibration like the bass notes of an organ filled the ship it came from our heating boilers steam was being got up on deck one glance round told us that the time had come a long black canal of water skirted the coast as far as we could see towards cape rawson and the rush through it must be made now or never screw and rudder were already down in their places and the sails bent ready to be loosed a few strong charges of gunpowder shook the ship from her icy bed the order full speed ahead was given the screw flung a stream of foaming water over the ice and the ship moved slowly forward into the channel blasted for her then as she swung round under steam and sail through the narrow portal in the wall of bergs we caught our last glimpse of floberg beach shadows of clouds chased each other down over the brown slopes the headstone of peterson's grave stood out like a solitary human figure and a piece of canvas fluttered on a pole over the doctor's garden where mustard and cress were just beginning to appear above ground our tall cairn on top of the hill remained in sight for a few minutes longer than the bend of the coast shut it from view at full speed we flew past the well-known headlands so often painfully rounded with tired crew and heavy sledge past the ice-rounded rocks of cape rawson the tower-like buttresses of halfway cliffs and the dark precipices of black cape but before we got to cape union our career was cut short the angle of a flow lay right across our narrow path and we had to wait in anxious inactivity till the next tide moved it off and let us slip past all that night and next morning the floes closing in behind us literally hunted us along the coast from one little hollow of the ice foot to another over and over again the ship had to be pushed and wriggled through desperately narrow gaps to avoid the closing flows behind her 
several times there was so little space to pass that our boats hoisted high up at the davits scraped along the perpendicular wall of ice foot the accompanying etching is from a sketch made near midnight on second august looking back along our track but no sketch can convey an idea of the chief feature of the scene the majestic and irresistible motion of the ice fields two days later when we lay walled in by bergs in shift rudder bay we could look back past cape beachy into the strait from which we had escaped and watch the tight pack of ice islands streaming south from robeson channel into hall's sea without the distracting influence of immediate danger and we one and all came to the conclusion that as an impressive example of magnificent and imposing force no other natural phenomena could equal it our little vessel went very near leaving her bones on the shores of this same bay when we reached it the ice was closing in a line of grounded bergs lay along the beach with a gap in it just large enough to admit the ship into this we thrust her feeling thankful for so good an opportune shelter but unfortunately the gateway of our castle had no portcullis to close behind us the ice followed us in and foot by foot forced the ship up on the ice foot heeling her over and damaging her rudder at four in the morning the pressure suddenly relaxed and the ship fell two feet but remained imprisoned for days not a patch of water was to be seen though the whole pack moved south with one tide and halted with the next on eighth august it blew a gale and the ice swept past with increased speed one large dome-shaped fragment of polar flow crushed through our gateway and though it grounded long before getting near the ship the pressure behind was so enormous that it continued to advance shoveling round lumps of ice as big as a house on either side of it and rising out of the water as it did so till it came against the side of the ship now we were nipped in earnest first a rattle on deck exactly like a hailstorm overhead as the pitch cracked and flew out of the seams then a crunch as the ship yielded then an interval and then another horrible vibrating crunch for downright unpleasantness not even the tear of a shot through a ship's timbers can compare with such a sound but the decks did not buckle up under our feet and the sides did not collapse the alert was evidently not fated to be destroyed in that way nevertheless when the crush ceased her position was far from comfortable she was raised four feet by the stern and completely imprisoned in a citadel of bergs apparently as hopelessly walled in as she well could be there might be oceans of water outside but how was she to get out one chance only remained it might be possible to make our jailer berg float by digging off the whole top of it so all hands set to work and for three days all that gunpowder pick and shovel could do was done time was everything for the tide fell lower every day at last our enemy gave up the fight floated up turned partly over and sailed out through the gate considerably smaller than when he came in victory came just in time the ice opened before us across the bay and down the coast ice navigation is never very rapid work every mile has to be fought for we were only twenty-five miles from the discovery but it took two days of sleepless activity to accomplish that distance and it was late on the evening of the eleventh when we rounded distant cape and caught sight of our sister ship
End of chapter 10, part 2.